Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Mario, let's just go right into it. Let's put the spoilers up because there's going to be spoilers of plenty for this. Everybody's seen it. It's all right. Well, that's what I was... The first thing I was going to ask because it did... It was tracking low. So they just started releasing all these clips and hats off to James Gunn. He's already working for the other company, but nobody can say he phoned it in. Like his social media was nothing but... Go out of your way to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. They were releasing long scenes in there. Like, spoilers aplenty. So it did better than expected. But I'm curious, everybody's really now watching this second week of what it's going to be due. But the, what it's going to do. But I think the word of mouth on this has been nothing but positive. Nothing but rave reviews. To me, it was a very emotional moment because... Everybody was afraid somebody was going to die. And there is death in this movie, but not the death that you thought it was going to be. And was surprising was for characters that you just met that were passing were very, very emotional. I had that same feeling that I'm like, remember in Castaway when everybody was shocked that they were crying over a volleyball with Wilson? I felt that. I legit felt that with Teeth's. And Floor, like all of Rocket's friends, I was like, wow, I was feeling that. So my first gut reaction was super heavy and super emotional. B-Rose, what were, what were you feeling during that screening of Guardians? Can I just say, if somebody shot that Wilson uh, volleyball, I would not care a bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to make that clear. You you're didn't feel a, it? You're more of a Spalding man. I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I feel like there's a huge difference between, you know, Shooting a cuddly creature and a volleyball. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. Um, you know, this whole series has been one of my favorite things and literally probably the greatest screening of anything that I've ever been to was a preview screening for the first Guardians at the Alamo Draft House. Really? Um, saw it with, I believe it was Ain't It Cool News had the the life thing. So I, I won, I won a, you know, a lottery to get into the screening. I remember those sidebar, but like that used to be the coolest. Cause ain't it cool. used to have all the screenings. Yeah. You'd get into them. You'd see everything new, like almost every other week. And we, I, I knew it was guardians. I was dying to get into it. Went in there, took my wife, we went and saw it. And literally just in terms of like a crowd, it's the kind of crowd you just always want to have in a screening, just cheered at every spot, did all the right emotions, the right thing, and it just elevated that screening. The movie was already great to begin with, but the screening just really helped it. So uh, I already just absolutely love this series. Um, and so I know what I really liked about it, and I've liked about every <clears throat> film, is each film is so completely different. So Guardians yeah. 1 is unlike any other Marvel movie that came out. And then the Guardians 2 is really a different movie than the first. There's, it's, it's a really totally different movie. I mean, you still have your same characters and whatnot, but it's a very different movie than that first one. So I, that's right. what I was hoping we were going to get with this third one is another kind of pivot. And they did. It's a completely different film than the first two. Um, but I just, I loved everything about it. I know there's, there's a lot of people who are getting, I won't say upset, but they're just a little unnerved by the some of the violence in it especially with the animals which i get yeah. um but i think that you really kind of had to have that to really since he was wanting to tell rocket's story you really have to find out who he is and that's you that's part of who he is we've known that since the beginning that he was experimented on and things like that so i know it's a tough watch for some and i've had a lot of 
people I know that are also parents are like, I don't think I could take my kids to it. Um, but I think it's, I mean, I sat through old yeller (laughs) (laughs) and Benji and I've seen animals get hurt and yeah, it's traumatizing, but I think that's, that's what good art does in some way is it gives it, it challenges, you know, what you can handle. Um, so I loved just everything about it. I loved that it focused on Rocket, who I thought is definitely a character that, especially leaving him alive after the snap, you really you oh, still didn't yeah. get a really good chance to really find out what made him tick. And so I think giving him his due was really the kind of the, the wise choice for that. So I loved I loved everything about it. Especially we finally got a good solid f bomb in the MCU. Finally, yeah, that which was I good. loved. <laughs> How did you feel about the usage? Like, do you think? That was the. Did that work? Was that the right? Did that? I mean, did you pop for that f bomb? I did just because I wasn't expecting it. Um, so it really, I, I, I laughed out loud when I heard that. What's funny is recently on uh, TikTok, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan from Lord of the Rings have been talking about how you know uh, Lord of the Rings was a PG thirteen movie. So if they wanted to, they could have dropped a single F-bomb in every movie. And so they've been going back and trying to figure out where they'd put the F-bomb. <laughs> like, what quote would get the F-bomb in Lord of the Rings? And so, I mean, technically, yeah, we've got PG-13 Marvel movies, so we could absolutely do it. So I'm, I applaud Gunn for just going out and doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I feel like I was expecting it and didn't expect it. And I guess that would be the right character to do it. Because really drive it home. The only other way it would, it would have been with Mantis when she was finally standing up, <clears throat> you know, standing her ground. Maybe you could have threw one there, but maybe it 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 was a little bit more natural with this one. Mario, what were your original thoughts after that first screening? Because I know you were a little con- you were concerned going in, right? No, no, no. You I were- have I have no concerns about James Gunn stuff at all. I think he's like one of the only true directors or you know creative folks working in MCU. Like I was telling you, yeah. I think that he's gonna be he's a huge loss for them. Yeah, it's a um, big loss. I had yeah, I had like I've liked every single James Gunn movie going back to Tromeo and Juliet. So yeah, no, I was not concerned. I, I thought he was gonna hit a home run, and he did. The thing that occurred to me as I'm watching this is uh, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is its own thing. Yeah. You could extract it from the Marvel Universe and it works fine. 100% true. Everything that ties it to Marvel MCU happens in other films. So this this is just completely its own sort of... like if, Had this been the, the first Marvel franchise with no other build-up, it would have worked fine. Yeah. You know? You're 100% right. This is a standalone trilogy that yeah, literally and that's, can be extracted And out. that's why it works. It's like, this is not... I, I mean, I think it's pe- the people, it's out there like sort of like the process, how Marvel works now. They're always re-editing and like shooting scenes and trying different things and starting movies without a script. But James Gunn is like a real director and a real writer. He had a vision from the beginning, wrote it out, and then went and made it. And that's that's what we got. And that's why it works. The ultimate, the ultimate sucker punch was Guardians of the Galaxy because I don't think anybody saw that coming. I would curious to be how many executives thought that a movie about a talking tree and the the raccoon was going to work. I there had to be a bunch of people like, no, this isn't going to work. They had to be nervous. So it was as far as Marvel characters go, it was a pretty decent gamble. They had a little bit of the gamble with Iron Man being the B level to make him go up to A. This was way down. I mean, he. He dug in the basement and made Guardians what it is now, a household name. 
But now, now the cam, like you said, Mario, now in these cameos that they come in, they feel like they're main event of their events, and then they come in and they just raise the game when they're there. They were just barely in Thor: Love and Thunder, but the little scene that they were in was great. Every part of the movies they made their other movies better. Like he gave them a shine, like nobody would have ever expected. Well, I think it, it, it goes to show what you can get when you have a director who has a vision and a voice and is invested in what he's doing. Yeah. Um, because you see that throughout all three Guardians, and you really you kind of see that with the Russos, with Captain America specifically. Because yeah. um, I love the original Captain America, but it's also, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fine movie. Yeah. But you can tell <clears throat> the craft that the Russos brought for Winter Soldier and Civil War and how much they focused on that, which is why they gave them the reins to, you know, the whole Infinity Saga part. Um, but, yeah, Gunn is just, he's got a singular vision, and it's very much a product of his style, his sense of humor, what he likes. It's, it's, it's kind of like the MCU's version of, of Kevin Smith. Like, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He's not going to change it. This is what he likes. This is what he wants. And so he, that's, he's just going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. And thankfully, they kind of just got out of his way a little bit. Right. And let him go. Yeah. And like, I'm not, like I said, no, no concern for anything James Gunn does, but I do have concern for every single MCU movie going forward. <laughs> I'm concerned about, I think they're all, I think it's, I think they're in a bad place. Well, you made a, you brought up a really good point. And Brian, I think you just reiterated that, that this, he, James Gunn set the tone for Marvel. There was Russo's, you know, and then there was Favreau, but every film after guardians one had a little bit of let, let's try what he did <laughs> right with the, like you said the needle drops are just like the quirky humor like they tried it and we see with love and thunder sometimes you can go too far and it almost backfire but it never did backfire with him so it is a big loss like losing them you know losing him like they're not going to be able to replicate that in a lab and somebody's got to be going back and like, did you really have to go back and look at those tweets and get so offended? Because now we just we just created our own monster because now one of the best we've that's ever done it in our universe is taking the crown jewel of the competition and is going to bring it to the top. And I should have been surprised, shouldn't have been surprised, but it was a pleasant surprise and I shouldn't have been that of course crypto got announced that he's going to be in Superman Legacy. It's James Gunn. He's going to make crypto incredible like you just talked about what he did with Rocket Raccoon. What is he going to do with a, a lovable white super dog? He's going to make him fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he already look what he did with Cosmo. Yeah. Like Cosmo was fantastic. Cosmo was, yeah, Cosmo who like who saw that? They didn't even have a whole bunch of time to set up Cosmo, right? Mm -hmm. They did it in the Christmas special. Yeah. And that was it. So it's going to be interesting. And Mauro, you brought this up, and let's talk a little bit about this. Marvel in the beginning, <clears throat> you know, they were just kind of relying on the brand. Then they started going to the direction of, like, let's take a director that has a very distinct style and try to match them best up to a property and go for it. Like you said, Russo's with Winter Soldier, James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy, even Taika with Thor, which it worked really well. I feel like they've stopped doing that, and that's going to be pretty detrimental. Well, I mean, I think it was more like they were hiring indie directors to do the Marvel films there for a while, but I think they're getting away from that now. Yeah. Because Taika was an indie director, so was James Gunn. Uh, so Russo's hadn't directed anything. 
True. Right. They had only done. They had done. They got. They got uh, over because they did Community. Yeah. Right. They did that one episode of Community. What was the the one that they did? Well, uh, they did. I mean, they they were kind of the showrunners and stuff. But there was a there's every season they would do a great uh, episode and usually like they would have these huge paintball battles, and they would film them like an action film, like a John Wick style thing. So you'd see all these fantastically shot cuts and all these action scenes. It was the dark the the. What, Nerf gun one, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, really, I didn't, I didn't know about so, that. So anyway, like they, they hadn't really done much of it. They had, of course, they'd worked. They're Hollywood. They're Hollywood working people. But you know, now they're getting to the point where they're hiring Sam Raimi. They want like, they want you know, they're trying to get, like I said, Margot Robbie for Fantastic Four. They're trying to get sure things. They're less willing to bet on the indie directors because uh, they want to make sure people show up. Hold on loosely, but don't let go. If you squeeze too tight, you're going to lose control. The more that they go for those sure things, I think that stuff's going to start backfiring. What conversation are we having if Edgar Wright had stuck to and kept Ant-Man? Oh, my God. Like, what conversation are we having about Ant-Man now? It would have... I mean, it's... After Quantumania, it was never more apparent that that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it was it just the novelty of finally getting to see Ant Man on screen, but by the time three comes around, what what could Edgar Wright have done with that? Yeah, I think it's one of the more disappointing uh, losses that they. It, it's a it's a huge miss. I still I still enjoy the original Ant Man. I actually I really enjoyed Ant Man and Wasp. Um, Quantumania, I was kind of like, oh, it's okay, but it wasn't. It didn't hook me the way the previous two had. Um, I think deep down what it's going to come down to is them starting to take chances again. Yeah. Because right now they are very much playing it safe. And and I get it. When you have that much money into a machine, you kind of, you want to coast a little bit, but I think that they've lost what made them what they were. And that was taking chances on unknown talent um, to really, you know, kind of lead them forward. I mean, getting Sam Raimi to do Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness when they're trying to make it a quasi horror film sounds great on paper and it's still a decent movie, Yeah. but you can definitely tell that there were a lot of elements that were being played safely and not a lot of like quote unquote chances being taken. Yeah. Well, what we're talking about right now, guardians of the galaxy was a huge chance. Mm -hmm. James Gunn was the risk and picking the characters that really nobody outside of hardcore comic book readers and collectors knew about. And now it's, it's got to be one of their biggest properties that, you know, or their most noticeable properties. And, and then not only taking a chance on that, but giving him the freedom to do it his way and him taking a chance on his cast that he picked. Because Chris Pratt, I mean, was he's literally one of the best things about Parks and Rec, but that's really all he had done outside of like Zero Dark Thirty and a couple of other films. And Moneyball, like he hadn't really done anything. Small parts, though. He had small parts. He was never, uh, you never would have taken him for an action leading man. Exactly. And then, you know, Batista, that who would have ever thought that he would be such a great actor, just period. Yeah. But so well tuned with that role. And then it kind of opened up the gate for him to be able to go further. So, I mean, they, they took chances everywhere on that whole series and it paid off because they took those chances on on batista who you know watching some of the bts stuff that's floating around he was broke Mm. and he was broke and he'd started doing some improv with chris pratt and he had no idea that he was going to get the role and how it changed his life for the better because they could have took drax in a drastically different direction 
Drax was originally, Jason Momoa was up for that part, up for Drax. I think Batista added some seriousness to that this person named Destroyer could destroy you. But I don't think anyone expected the humor that he brought to the very end. Like, to the very end, and good humor, not like dumb humor. Like, in this, in Guardians 3, I got choked up at a lot of stuff. But when he started being the dad... Yeah. When he started doing the boop, 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 boop. Which I, I loved. It was such a simple little thing. The noise wasn't even like, oh, what a weird noise to be making. But when they looked at him, it was like, oh, what, you're meant to be the dad? That got me. It's like, yeah. oh, man. And that's what I love, too, with them bringing that back around, too. Because you, you, it's a big part of the first one of who he is. And in the second, it gets a small little mention, but that's really it. So I really love the fact that they kind of brought that back, that he is still a, grieving the loss of his wife and his daughter. Yeah. Like, that's still... And so him finding kind of peace and closure with that was really nice. Were there any weak characters coming out of this? Like, as far as Guardians, like, everybody they picked up along the way got better with each film or property. Like, I'm happy that this film stands to... It didn't really interfere with the Christmas holiday special that I'll be able to watch that every year. (laughs) Because that was the intention. When you saw that, you're like, okay, we have perennial you know, viewing of this at all. Every character, you just pick him up along the way. Like Yondu, like the way he played that, he could have just been a throwaway, scary-looking villain, right? And then when he showed up in 3, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. I was like, oh my God. I mean, James Gunn puts so much emotional stakes in everything, you know? Everything, everybody... The whole thing about Guardians, the whole ongoing theme is just like finding a family when you don't have a family. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. A bunch of orphans, misfit orphans. Yes. Coming together and and doing stuff. Just like that movie the other night on Joe Bob, Tigers Are Not Afraid. That's Galaxy of the Guardians uh, in Mexico with the cartels. Oh, my God. Anyway. um, But, like, because that's in there, you get so much more attached to the characters. You can empathize with them. Like, for me, like, too, the saddest part was when... Uh, was when Mantis tells Drax that she thinks he's stupid and then makes him forget it. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> and you and you see the hurt. You see he, the hurt on he his face. He spent the whole second movie just talking about how hideous and ugly she was, <laughs> and then she strikes back and it just hits him to his core. Yeah. <laughs> and then makes him forget. <laughs> I think there was really, and it's it's just nitpicky. The only thing that I can even think of that I didn't like was I, because I felt like it was almost, I don't want to say cheap. I just thought it was unnecessary was the group quote at the very end where he says, I love you guys. I just, it's so, it seems so out of place. Yeah. Like when we, when he's in the first movie, when he says we are Groot, it's a subtle, just one word difference, but it, it, it fits the scene. And so the whole him saying, I love you guys just seems so weird and out of place that it kind of pulled me out a little bit. So I didn't care for that, but that was really, that's just me being nitpicky. Yeah. Um, Well, you heard the rumor of why that happened and what the story behind that. mm -mm. So, and this is, again, this sounds like very James Gunny. So like, you know, they built up the whole time that, you know, new Gamora from 2014 couldn't understand Groot. Like, because if you didn't have the relationship, like you didn't have the shorthand. And then when she finally knew what she said, she gets it because then you had an emotional connection, then you can speak, I am Groot. And he said, this is a rumor, they said that 
that was for us, the audience. Everyone else to yeah. basically like all of a sudden now that. you can understand. I think what that's. Curtis I think saying. that's dead on. I think that. I think that the the reason it sticks out because and maybe that was the misfire is it didn't exactly uh, get that across to the audience, you know. But I think that's exactly what it was going for because they build it with Gamora not understanding and we understand. Just didn't. It's some, there was something missing. There it was a line or two in missing out of the script or something. I tell you, <laughs> who really did it well? This exact same thing is if you've ever seen the movie The Thirteenth Warrior with Antonio Banderas. Oh yeah, where you start the movie where he's he doesn't speak their language and on the voyage going to where they're going, he's you, they show him constantly listening and then it's just their Scandinavian language and every once in a while a word of English pops in as him as basically showing that he's learning words and then by the time they arrive he's able to speak their language because he's just been listening and picking it up the whole time or like uh in the hunt for red october when they all Mm -hmm. speak russian for like the first minute of the movie and it just kind of pushes in on their mouth and it just switches to english and then pushes back out just to let you know they're speaking russian but you're hearing it in english also like in uh, robin hood prince of thieves when kevin costner starts speaking english (laughs) and then he starts speaking i don't think that was planned (laughs) are you sure i I don't know it was so subtle (laughs) He was trying to do like a British accent and it sounded like Tennessee or something. <laughs> just take a seat, Kevin. Stop that. <laughs> Don't. Oh, who, oh, yeah. They just did that in Avatar, right? And, but they actually had lines that, in there. That was a pretty good. That, that was pretty good. The that way was they the did. lines. They just explained it away, which yeah. was fine. But again, it was the same thing. It's like the character explained that eventually it all sounded natural to him. And it didn't get to it. And they got rid of the subtitles. That's good. That was That's good booking. Solid booking. Yeah, for sure. So that was so Mario. You were saying that was that was the most emotional moment for you because there was a bunch of them. Was that moment? I think that got me. Oh, I mean, obviously when when uh, when Lila gets shot, that's that's unbelievable. Oh yeah, just too much. And I think I think that will keep people away. People are very triggered by animal violence, um, and it was you know very cute animal violence. You know, and even just uh, Floor, the character Floor, the spider bunny. I think that's weird. People are going to be creeped out by that. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? I didn't even take that into consideration. I, and I think, again, it was a heavier emotional toll for me because, I, I mean, my I started my son was way smaller in this journey with this film. And I remember being so excited and seeing it with him. And now this journey is ending as he's getting ready to leave for college. So I've already felt a little bit of that heaviness because, again, this, this was such a big part of our cinematic lives yeah and you felt it like weirdly enough what benefited this film was benefited from was the cast banding together in real life when james gunn got fired and they're like none of us are doing this without him and it delayed this film because this film could have been even bigger if it came out a couple of years ago when it was supposed to come out yeah like it banded together enough where it got him rehired, and that's not easy on Disney to Disney to say, okay, we'll bring him back. And then he ended up leaving anyway. But just to know that they were that behind their director, like their leader and the story, that's something else. And I think that this film, Bennett, like you, you can almost feel that coming through. Like the, the casting of it almost comes off as, as magical because they all believed in it. So, Geek Commander, what what's the one that really got you choked up the most in that in that film? Um, mine's different just because of you know it's going to hit everybody differently. But like you talked about earlier, 
seeing Drax become the dad is what hit me being a dad. Like seeing that moment really, that's what got me especially because, you know, I have a young daughter and Drax has the daughter and whatnot. And so getting to see him find that peace and that closure, yeah, that, that really kind of hit me emotionally. Yeah, I can see that. That was, that was definitely a big one to me you know, there's, there was many, another big one for me was the arc of Nebula. Another easily could have just been a throwaway villain, like just crazy looking Android and what she turned into at the end, like a leader, you know, she's going to lead that whole place. And just the subtle little things that she started to loosen up that we've been seeing over the past couple of films, like in I've, the biggest pop for me and the, you know, the holiday special was when she gave uh, rocket Bucky's arm. You know, and then or and then the little dance, the subtle dances that she was doing, and then she really let loose in this one, and then how much she was willing to go to war. Like she slowly became what Gamora was in the original one. Yeah, she became then, Gamora for this one. Yeah, and then Gamora was this like the straight up heel. So hats off on to both of their performances on that. They're like, let's roll switch. Well, I know a lot of people had an issue with Gamora leaving with the Ravagers at the end, um, but. You know, I was I was explaining it to my son because he was just asking, like, do you think that was the right choice? And I was like, honestly, yes. I was like, I th- because I said the whole concept of these films is that the most important thing is the family that you choose. It's yeah. not who you're born to or what race or what species you are. It's the family that you add along the way. And for Gamora, because she's that past Gamora, she doesn't have that affinity for these Guardians. She does for the Ravagers. So her leaving makes sense, and it's justified. She's going yeah. with the people, that, the family that she's made. And you see it when she's reunited. They all are like putting their arms around her and things like that. That's the family that she's chosen. And yeah, it sucks that it's not the Guardians that we want her to be with, but she made the right choice for her. And so I thought, I thought it was a really great way of showing how far Gamora and Nebula have come um, seeing Gamora kind of take that side role. And then Nebula really kind of come into the Gamora role. I thought that was masterful. And I did not see that coming. I did not see that coming. I, you know, the easy way to, you know, to button that up, to put a little bow on it was for her to all of a sudden, you know, get the stardust and shake it loose. And then all of a sudden, okay, I remember now, because you realize that the stakes were real and the emotion that you felt with, I rewatched the scene with Thanos of her going over the edge. It, it didn't, it kept the respect that that scene deserved because that was so powerful of like, I'm sorry, little one. And that made it mean so much. So for him to book it to as where he was just going to wink by saying, I bet we were fun together and that's all she needed to do. And then you realize for this story, that's all you needed, you know? And then you realize that there's, there really are consequences. You lose people that you really care about in life, you know, and the, the stakes were real. So, and it really does, it gives, it does a good job of giving Peter that closure that he needs. Yeah. You know, he starts off the film unable to move on and throughout it, you're, he's slowly able to build those pieces that he needs to be able to move on. Yeah. Did you guys think that uh, him and, and Nebula were going to get together? I know it was a throwaway joke. 
What's sad is I don't hate the pairing. I don't. I hate it. I don't want them together. I had no desire for that to happen. <laughs> well, that was the the comedy, and that was great. I know we kind of saw that coming because it was in the trailer. <laughs> Knock it off! <laughs> but that worked really well. Let's talk a little bit about the cameos because people I know were up in arms. You know the, how the internet loves to be up in their arms. They can't just be down in their arms. Have to be up in arms. What cameos are we talking about? Uh, James Gunn's wife, Jennifer Holland. I thought it was just like it was fine. I mean, I love. I think she's. Is that a cameo though? Does that count as a cameo? I mean, it's not like Sammy Davis Jr. appears for a second. It's not like somebody that's well known, right? Does that count as she's just a working actress? Yeah. Again, and I have no heat with her. I think she's she's great in Peacemaker, and the one scene that you know the scene that she had in here was funny. Yeah, I mean it was really good. I had no problem with that at all. Yeah. So I don't know why people are so upset of him booking his wife. If if she wasn't talented, then yeah. maybe he'd be like, okay, this isn't working. But she's great. She's so, been like in every James Gunn thing for the last few years. It just why is, it shouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of being in charge is you can do cool things that you want to <laughs> yes. do. And it's not like he made his wife Gamora. It's yeah. like she was she had a cameo and got <laughs> yeah. shot in the leg. She got in the leg. Like, what's the big deal? Well, I don't know. Yeah, that was a good pop, like the way she sold that leg. Even what's the, what's the name of the dude from uh, Serenity? Oh, Nathan, oh, Nathan Fillion. Even him. Yeah, he's been in every up. James Gunn movie yeah. since forever. So what's what's the big deal? It's like if Sam Jackson is in a Quentin Tarantino movie, does everybody get upset? Exactly. <laughs> These dirt sheets, dude. They're just know, out the there dirt. trying to start uh, controversy. Hate bots. Yeah, hate bots. Well, we just we named them right. They're they're hate bots. They they just troll and they just try to start try culture wars and entertainment fights. Like we're not going to fight over movies. It's like you can say no, I didn't like it. It's like cool. I still liked yeah. it. What a dumb thing to fight over. Yeah, I know it's so stupid. It's like, <laughs> with everything else going on in this world, you're going to fight over a cameo in a film. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, come on, just relax. It's it's entertainment. It's supposed to be entertaining. And if you're not entertained, then go find something that is entertaining. There's lots of movies. Watch one, and you'll like one eventually. Yeah, fine. You don't have to just watch <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. There's other stuff. <laughs> Where do you... Th- Check guys- out Polite Society. I want to see that. That's probably good. Yeah, there's plenty of options. There's plenty of options. Where do you guys think is going to happen to Chris Pratt after this? Um, he's I, going to continue to make billions of dollars <laughs> from franchise films. Like he's, can you? It's, he had this and Super Mario Brothers back to back. Super Mario Brothers is the biggest movie of the year, and this will probably do fine. You know what's crazy? They two action scenes with No Sleep Till Brooklyn and Chris Pratt back to back. Oh, that's right. It wasn't there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's going to be hurting. I mean, we saw at the book in the you know that Star Lord will return, which will fit in easily because there's a whole series of comics that's just Star-Lord without the Guardian. So they've got a golden goose with him, and I think they're going to keep doing it. They'll probably gonna, we're probably going to start seeing Star-Lord movies now, which is, which is fine. I, I've, I've always... Give I've, Star-Lord a movie. Sure, why not? Yeah. I, I've loved his character. I loved... I think it's great casting for that, um, you know? So I, I have no problem with that. I think he's going to be just fine. I was actually, to me, that was one of the biggest surprises was that... The end of the end credit scene, to me, that was the biggest one because I was waiting for, okay, you know, I was waiting for the Robert Downey Jr. Chris Evans moment that I just assumed that he was done too. I thought Chris Pratt was done. Like, I know Batista for sure was done, right? And and then uh, 
what's her name, plays Gamora. She said she's done. Yeah. But I, for some reason, I thought Chris Pratt was done. So when they gave him that James Bond will return sting, and I was like, what? It's like I had no idea. I thought he was done. I thought I, he was, yeah, I thought I he was going to retire with his grandpa, and that was the end. I don't know, man. Chris Pratt strikes me as a guy who's down to do more uh, entertainment <laughs> content. He doesn't. He's not. He's not striving to do art films. No. He just want to drop out and go do a, a you know a, a ten million dollar indie film. He wants to do big things. Uh, he, he's got he's got Marvin Schwartz as his agent. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tell him exactly what to do. Be in the big fr- be in the big franchises that make billions of dollars. Well, he's got Schwarzenegger as his pops now. So yeah, I mean- he's got Schwarzenegger advising him. He's not you know he's going he's going for those kinds of numbers. It's so like, was- well, if everybody's going to quit Guardians, I'll do a Star Lord movie. I mean, <laughs> if that's what you want me to do, I mean, we're definitely going to have to get a Rocket movie. I feel. Yeah, he so he's the leader of the Guardians. So if they anytime the Guardians make an appearance, we're gonna get Rocket, right? That he's gonna be in there. But I was just thinking more with Chris Pratt because you always, I know he was getting heat for a little while, but you know, and he they always make it seem like that there's something that he brings a lot of his religious beliefs that somehow leak online. But then you'll click on another video, and then he'll make like an inappropriate sexual stuff. That's like out of nowhere, and I'm like, I, you get definitely two different versions of him in in real life. But honestly, I don't. I I'd rather not hear. I want I want the actors to be like Pacino and De Niro that they just hide, and you don't ever hear what they are because they'll never. Then you'll never be distracted. So I'm, if it's whether it's true or not, I I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I just rather see more Star Lord movies. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> One thing that did kind of surprise me that I wished came off as stronger, and Brian, I'm going to ask you about this because you know a, a little bit more about this. What were your feelings on the Adam Warlock intro with Will Poulter? So it was definitely different than what I expected it was going to be. Um, I thought it would be a lot more... I know it sounds odd to say, I thought it'd be a little more serious Yeah, and it was a little more playful, but I get the reasoning behind it when they're showing that, you know, he was pulled out of his pot early. So he's still essentially a child and they did a good job of portraying someone who thinks and talks and acts like a child in this adult superhero's body. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 it wasn't what I was expecting, but I still dug it. I think he is great casting for that. Yeah, I was really happy cast. to see him pop up and really kind of play to his strengths because he does have that comedy background. Um, so I, I really had no complaints. It just it was different than what I was expecting. Yeah. But I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it going forward. I'm going to have to watch it again. That's one. There. Well, there's many reasons I want to watch it again, but the second viewing for me. It's going to be important to see how I feel about the Adam Warlock because I expected something completely different too, right? Because he's the equivalent of like Superman, right? In the comic books, he was, you know, going toe-to-toe with like Thanos. So he didn't, I, I expected something. And technically he did. I mean, he's the reason this whole film was taking place, right? Cause he's he's the one that put Rocket in critical condition. So, I mean, it's not like he was he was pulling his punches. But I really... I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. And it's not that I disliked it, but now I need to go in there with no expectations. And I think maybe the part of the problem, too, is going in with the expectation of him being who he is in the comics already. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I mean, look at the difference between, you know, the whole MCU was started with 
Downey portraying Tony Stark, just kind of discovering who Iron Man is going to be, to literally saving everything, defeating Thanos. So that you see that huge difference in those the disparity between those two between that character in those movies, how much he's grown and stuff like that. So I think, I'm hoping that, that that's what they'll kind of do with Adam Warlock, is that this is just kind of the, you know, the the bumpy road where, you know, just like Iron Man having to go up and not realizing that the the suit's going to ice over. Right. And almost killing himself that way. I'm hoping that we're going to see, we're seeing those kind of like discovery points for him that where he'll eventually become that fantastical figure that he is. That we're expecting. You got you can't just you got to give folks room to build an arc. They can't just be who they're who they are immediately. Yeah. You got to give them room to have a story arc so they can grow and become that person eventually over the course of multiple films. And if you listen very quietly, you can hear Twitter erupting over Mario saying that. <laughs> the hate bots. Yeah. Hate bots the are hate, coming after the hate us. Hate bots are, are coming for us these days now. <laughs> no, I agree. I think the the issue being is We've had the comics around for so long, right? All the source material. But now we've had, you know, a couple of decades of the films being around, you know, MCU. But the difference is, like, you can always go back and they don't age, you know. But now we're losing a lot of the main heroes as we're gaining some of the heroes. And you can't really go back without having a, some kind of snapping that's going to recast them. And that's not always going to work. But in the comic book, you're like, okay, now Iron Man's here. Now Captain America's here. Like, we get Old Man Cap. But now he's back. And now he found a way. Like, we're not going to be able to get that. So we're not going to be able to associate, you know, what Quentin Tarantino was talking about. Who's the star, the actor, or the role that they're playing? In the comic book, it's the role they're playing. And I think that's one of the reasons why they made the pivot to the multiverse. Because then you can really open yourself up to, all right, Different people can play Iron Man. Different people can play Captain America or Spider-Man, depending on the universe. And it kind of, it gave them the out they needed to where they don't have to say goodbye to Iron Man, even though they're saying goodbye to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, We don't know yet, though. No one has been recast successfully yet. So, I mean, we don't know how the audience is going to react if Tom Cruise shows up as Iron Man. We've had one really good recasting when we lost, uh, we got a a great new roadie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's true. Did, yeah, the, but that was pretty early. Yeah, that was the first, that was way early. First yeah. film, the second film. Yeah, can you believe the reason Terrence Howard got dropped there is because uh, at the time when they did Iron Man, he was a bigger star than Robert Downey Jr. and demanded more money. So they was like, nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after yeah, after part one, he demanded more money. He went. He he thought he should get paid more than uh, Robert Downey. And Robert Jr. Downey Jr. I remember that. I, don't know I mean, Hustle and Flow was really good. It was. It totally was. They should have just paid. And then we had, you know, yeah, the only other bigger one. Again, it was very non-noticeable, which is weird to think that we started with Edward Norton as our Hulk. Edward Norton couldn't have, couldn't have survived being in the MCU like this. Like, no. that's, not, that's not in his acting DNA. There's, yeah. There's not enough. He wouldn't have had enough control to make himself happy doing yeah. that. So it was probably for, it worked out for the best. Although I would say that's an asterisk as well. <laughs> yeah. Although we're getting lift tight, so everyone else is coming back, right? We're getting uh, except for Thunderbolt. We're we've got Harrison Ford now oh, coming yeah. in playing Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, that's an unfortunate casting, yeah. you know, but for the reasons. But they are going to get uh, Liv Tyler, right? She's coming mm-hmm. back as as Betty Ross, and then the heel from that one, Tim Blake Nelson. He's going to be in the Thunderbolt. So it's yeah, 
I think to circle back what you're talking about, they got to go back to taking their chances. And this is the time to take chances when there's a lot of complacency, there's a lot of expectations. Now you really got to shake things up. And maybe that's because was Ant-Man Quantumania really a bad movie or was it just what everybody kind of expected and they just that was just paint by numbers? I thought it was a bad movie. You just thought it was I thought it was like the worst Marvel movie thus far. Yeah. I I haven't seen Thor the Dark Lord 2 or whatever. The Dark World, yeah. Um, But to me, that was the worst Marvel movie out of all 35 of them. I think it's a mediocre movie. Um, I I don't want to say it's probably the the worst Marvel um, because, man, that... You're telling me Thor 2 is worse than that one? Dark World is not a fun one. Dark World has some good moments and some cool world-building stuff, but just overall, it's kind of a a convoluted mess. Yeah. Um, But I'm also... I'm saying this as the worst Marvel movie is still better than most... A lot of other films, especially when you talk... If you're just going to compare DC. Um, Oh, yeah. But I think that also... I think that's part of the problem, too, is they've rested on their laurels so much. They're like... Oh yeah, even our bad movies are better than those, but that's not the case anymore because DC has been putting out some fantastic movies. And so I'm almost kind of hoping that Gunn being with DC is going to help spur that. It's going to be like, you know, WCWWE. It's going to spur that creative juice. Wow, yeah. That's a good comparison. That's pretty much what happened, that he made the jump except when the writers made the jump from they didn't bring their talent with them where I think he's going to bring the talent he's going to bring his talent over do you think his sensibilities are going to work for the big blue boy scout like as for superman i don't what do we have we have the the suicide squad which was incredible a, a movie that i think suffered from the pandy more than anything not from quality that movie should be getting way more love than it does you know that's up. To, that's DC's Guardians of the Galaxy, but but those two are pretty similar, right? Is Superman's completely different? Is he going to be able to bring what he does best and it fit into a Superman? Film? I think it. I think it's he's perfect for it. Yeah, you think? I mean, you know, well, number one, this is just a sidebar, and this could be nothing, but he did that one um, movie. What's it called? The Dark Superman Story. Super. super. No, 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 not Super. Oh, Chronicle. Not Chronicle. It was like the anti-Superman. What if Superman landed oh, on Earth and he was Brightburn? Brightburn. Oh, Brightburn. yeah, Brightburn. That's which right. was essentially Superman, but what if Superman was evil? Yeah. So he did that, which I guess he produced it. But still, he's involved with that. So I like Brightburn. He, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was a pretty good, uh, you know, kind of a small budget, whatever. Good take on the hero movies. But I think <clears> the <throat> fact that Superman, a lot of it, and I think Zack Snyder tried to touch on this, but maybe he maybe approached it. Uh, too heavily, but this, the, the whole thing that Superman's kind of an outcast. He's alone, right? And that's a big theme in all of James Gunn's movies. So I think he's going to be able... I mean, you know he can do flying. You saw... We re, he already did his test flight. You saw... What's his name? Adam Warlock can fly, so okay. Yep. He can handle the flying. Uh, I think he can handle the emotional stakes of Superman and what's what's got to happen. Um, and he's got very uh, wholesome... Underneath all his quirkiness and you know whatever crazy twitter jokes he's got very wholesome <laughs> values about family you know what i mean yeah i think he's going to do great i think he's going to hit it out of the park I, i'm i just think that he was the guy i really i just i just i hold him in the highest regard because I, I liked his stuff before marvel 
Super was great. Slither is one of the Slither best horror movies. Slither is so good. It's so good. Like, just perfect. Note for note, perfect. Just a great horror movie. Uh, so he was he was already over. Had he not gotten Guardians, he would have still went on and been a great director. Yeah, You I know, agree. he did this. Um, and now he's grown bigger than it, you know? And you see him out there. He is... He is like becoming, he's trying to become, or maybe he's, I don't know, his agents or, or his Ari Gold is like just telling him, you got to be an on-camera guy now. You've got to be a personality. You're James Gunn. You take the dye out of your hair, go all white. You know what I mean? You see him on the red carpet now. He's dressing all cool. He looks like the godfather of comic books. <laughs> he's he's become, he's a force, man. He's big. And like, you know, not to say he's infallible. Everybody can have, uh, can have a miss. But I just think... I just think he's gonna he's gonna do great with Superman. I'm excited to see it and I'm I'm glad that we're finally getting him back the, on back on the screen. I am a little worried about the casting. Superman's a hard cast. Um I don't know. That's I saw a lot that of weight. Huh? It's a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight and you need you just it's hard to just book that. because um, that determines the entire cast of the rest of the film and what's going on. I don't know. I thought uh, that one AI, when they were asking AI who to cast in comic book films, and they said they should cast Henry Golding, I was like, that's pretty good casting, actually. <laughs> I think I could find that. Well, what's nice, too, is the reason why I think he was such a good hire for DC is I think they see what a lot of people see is, more than anything, he he has this confidence of just knowing. He has 100% confidence in himself. He knows what he wants and he knows how to make it work, which is very similar to what Kevin Feige is. Even though Feige is not, quote-unquote, the director-filmmaker, Feige knows what works, and he's confident in his taste in what's going to work. And so, you know, Gunn has always been kind of a protege of Feige in a way. Like, if, if Feige ever it sold out, if, if he quit his contract and whatnot and left, Gunn would have been a perfect replacement for that. And so oh, 100%. I, I, I think would have been him taking that role at DC is the smart move and I think that I think Superman is going to be just fine because he's shown that it doesn't really matter what character it is. He knows how to write characters, period. And so I think it's going to come down to casting. But because he's got since he's writing it himself and they're they are going to skew a little younger, um, I think it's a good opportunity. I, I loved Henry Cavill, but I 100 percent love the balls on him to take over D.C. right after you know, Dwayne Johnson's been like, oh yeah, it's Henry Cavill. We're going to do this thing. And he basically said, no, I love Henry Cavill. I love you, but no, this is what we're doing because I have the vision. I know what's going to work. And I'm going, I have the confidence in myself to say, no, we're not doing that. We're doing this. Yeah. And so while I love Henry Cavill as Superman, I'm excited to see what Gunn can do with kind of taking over the reins like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I mean, again, I I I one hundred percent trust him to to have that vision, and like you said, to stand up to the Rock right now. You know, we're we're we're, we're living in peak the Rock Hollywood. Like it's it's only gonna go down from here. You know, to stand up and Rock, he can hold a grudge, right? We're not seeing him in the last Fast and the Furious because you know there's some heat there. Rock needs to get a new agent or some new management. I think he's making some bad decisions lately. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I don't know. Again, it's got tequila money, man. I guess it's tequila money. You <laughs> got tequila, tequila money, money. You could do whatever. Again, I just I, I'm I'm not cool. I just I just feel like he's now just kind of a wasted talent. 
You know, I thought early in his career he had a lot of potential. He's done things here and there. Uh, now it's just like tugboat captain movies and remaking Disney's and jungles. Like, yeah, it's just like I don't know, man. But I did appreciate that he came forward and said, "Look, James said no dice, and I respect him, and I'm rooting for him." Like he did his, he did the right PR for the brand for sure. Saying never say never. You may see Black Adam, but. I'm going on the shelf for a while, and he and he seemed like he was okay with it. Well, I think part of the thing too is like in it was part of Gun. He just literally said, "Look, man, no, I don't want to do that. That doesn't interest me. I know it interests you, but that's not. What the, I'm in charge now. So, and I think I think deep down, no matter how he feels about it, he kind of has to respect that a little bit. Yeah, that I someone so. is willing to stand up to him. Instead of just blowing smoke and saying, oh, yeah, whatever you want to do is perfectly fine. Because I think that's part of, I think that's one of the biggest issues with The Rock as well is that he's always, he's got so many yes men around him that are just like, oh, this would be great. This would be great that no one's there telling him no. Yeah. And for some people that can be good. For some people that can be bad. Um, I haven't soured on him too badly yet, but the whole Black Adam and him trying to take over was a little bit of a souring. I'm like, all right, you need to. Someone needs to put you in your place. And it was nice to see that Gunn kind of did that. It was like, just no, you, you're going to be successful without this, but this is not where we're going. Well, it yeah. didn't help that the movie pretty much tanked. Tanked, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much the deal breaker there. It's like, if you don't make any money, it's like, well, okay, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's a deciding factor. They, I think they needed this clean slate because Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO was fantastic. It was so so good, but you saw that they didn't they didn't buy into it. They were like, "Fine, we're gonna put it out there." So we shut these people up, but we're never doing anything with this ever again. And then you knew it was like, okay, then it's like you can't you can't move on fractured. And I think that was that was their opportunity. Are you gonna keep this vision? And they said no. So. It's going to be whatever James Gunn. So if Rock would have successfully got Henry Cavill in there, it would have been in a weird way keeping Snyderverse going. And I mean, it's still going, right? We still have the Flash and Aquaman to go. But so I feel not, like that this is this is feels like yeah. the swan song for both of them, right? Well, the thing- I mean, if the Flash makes money, you don't think they're going to make another Flash? I well, I don't think with Ezra Miller. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is I think this is going to be a one and done thing, no matter how much money it makes. I think he's burnt enough bridges to where they're kind of like <laughs> they're using buckets to get water off the Titanic right now <laughs> yeah. with this. Just trying to that's why they're pushing so heavily into the Keaton stuff and and really trying to put him front forward. Um, you know, I think what really hurt the whole DC universe comes down to Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Because Man of Steel, while divisive, was still a fantastic movie. I thought it was great. It did yeah. a lot of great things and I I loved what I loved what he did. Even though I don't think Zack Snyder understands comic book characters very well, I still think Man of Steel was a good movie, and I liked the choices he made. Batman versus Superman is a burning dog turd of a <laughs> film, and you can't blame that on Joss Whedon like you can no. Justice League. That is a hundred percent him, and he made a horribly bad movie. I will say the extended cut is leaps and bounds better than the. Uh, it is. It's it's better, but it I mean, adds a whole lot. It's still it's, it's still a, it's still a bad film. It suffers from from a lot of things, and so I think that's why everyone was so gun shy with Justice League. And I'll be the first to admit, like I was, I'm after Batman vs Superman, I had really no faith in Justice League. And then seeing the Whedon cut, thinking like, oh, this is what they were initially planned, 
you talk about a dumpster fire of a movie. <laughs> and so seeing how good the Zack Snyder cut was with all of its various things. I mean, there's stuff that went back and forth, but it's still leaps and bounds the best thing. And so I think that if we hadn't had Batman v Superman go so horribly, then they wouldn't have had the courage to try and strip the movie of Justice League away from him. And you start to pull in more of that continuity between the things. Um, I like that they're doing the clean slate now, um, but they're also really kind of, they're, they're doing the clean slate, but in a different way, almost the way the comics do it. They're going to have their universe, but they're going to have their, their black label, which is where you get Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and you yeah. get the Matt Reeves Batmans. They're going to exist on their own little <clears throat> side universe, um, but they're going to start building their own cohesive universe from scratch with gun. Yeah. No, I think that's going to be great. I think that's, that's, that's the way to, uh, that's a safer bet to go. I know some people just want to completely wipe the table clean, but because of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I don't think you can. Which honestly, you know, I'll catch hate for this. I liked it just fine. Yeah. I think it's a good movie. Um, it doesn't really interest me as much because I, I, I really do feel like he, it's just a rip off of kind of like a taxi driver of, yeah. in terms of the whole, everything about it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I love Lady Gaga. I hate the casting of her as Harley. Really? I don't like that casting at all. And I'll, I'll, if I'm proven wrong, which is possible, that, that so be it. But I don't like that casting, and partly because I love Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that. Well, yeah. I think they cast her specifically because this is a musical, right? <clears throat> exactly. So they wanted, they wanted a musical. And I think she's just got, she's got that New York accent down, right? So I think that that I, I don't, I'm I'm cool with the casting of her. I'm looking forward to see what she can uh, what she can do. But um, I also am not a fan of Joker. As a, I didn't like the original film. I, th- I think it was okay. It was it was good. I mean, there it's. I think it's especially looking at who directed it. I think it's pretty incredible that that came out of him because um, I didn't think he was capable of a movie like that. Um, but you know, I'll go see it. I, I'm not dying yeah, to I'll see it. Yeah, I'll go see it, but I see everything, so it doesn't exactly. really Exactly. <laughs> I'm not dying to see that. Yeah. Um, I am dying to see the next Matt Reeves Batman. I thought that was, was so fantastic, so I'm excited to see that, even though it's not going to be part of this shared universe. So I'm the only hesitation I have is seeing the announcement they've made so far. It almost seems like they're trying to course correct, and they did it the complete opposite. So it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a Superman, but we're not going to have anybody else you like. There's no Batman. There's no, we're not going to do another Aquaman. We'll give you a Green Lantern TV show, but we're not going to give you your top tier that you want, which it almost seems like maybe that's not the step they should have taken. But they also, yeah. I also believe that Gunn knows what he's doing and maybe he's wanting to build it, that universe, build it a different way the way Marvel did by not picking their top tier. Well, although Marvel did it out of availability, they couldn't. So they had to go with that way. So yeah. with him doing that, I'm, I'm hoping that he knows what he's doing. I trust in that. Um, but I thought it was an interesting choice that they aren't going to do like, oh, we're not going to do Batman. We're not going to do more Wonder Woman. We're not going to do another Green, you know, all this kind of stuff. We're going to do a Green Lantern TV show. And then he's picking those Guardian-style groups out of DC to really to push do that. Stuff. I took it as they were doing what the, you know, the old 80s wrestling territories when somebody needs to leave a territory to cool off a little bit to start to build again or to go somewhere else and just to kind of keep that rotation. I just feel like it was so dominated in the conversation 
that you couldn't do more than we're going to reboot every single one of the main characters because the Superman rebooting was enough that it just, again, it eclipsed everything else going on that, and you know, Gail Gadot as Wonder Woman, everybody's fine with, you know, we're not getting Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. So, and they have a current Aquaman. So I think they did play it safe and they had, they had, you know, our bats, so they couldn't. They said, "Yeah, eventually we are going to do a different Batman and Robin movie, but we're going to let this one kind of play out." But so I, I kind of took it as that's what they were doing. They were rebuilding the territory a couple of wrestlers at a time, and Superman was was the big one that they're going to really do. But I think, uh, yeah, to circle back, Marvel is going to miss James Gunn. I mean, we're we're having good conversations, but there's something D- DC has some excitement right now that Marvel doesn't have. Marvel's putting out fires left and right. And DC now is like slowly starting to get a little bit of momentum because of this. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, for, for Guardians, I think we're going to still see Guardians. I guess I was surprised that nobody died, n- none of the main characters. But it's now seeing what they're doing. Not everybody has to die to say that you're done with this character. I like the idea that Nebula and Drax are going to be running, you know, nowhere, this planet. (laughs) And they're just in charge and they're not going to be out there fighting necessarily. I'm also curious, too. I'm, you know, we know that he had kind of the outline for the, the whole trilogy kind of laid out. I think personally, I wouldn't be surprised if this is true and it could be wrong. I think that the reason why he didn't kill anyone is because he understood this is my last ride with this. And he almost in a way didn't want to ruin that for Marvel. Yeah. He wanted to leave it open to where if they wanted to continue star Lord's story or rocket story or anyone else, they at least had the ability to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think cause he's even, I mean, he's a hundred percent, a Marvel fan as well as a DC fan. He is, yeah. And same way Foggy is too. They both understand that the rising tide raises all ships and they both want each other to do well. It's not about Marvel doing better than DC or DC doing better than Marvel. It's about let's all do good so that we can keep doing this and stuff like that. So I think he has a respect for that. And so, I mean, like I said, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe one of the reasons why he didn't necessarily kill off a prime character even if it was Drax who said he's not coming coming back, he at least had the he gave them the happy endings without having to sacrifice a character that they may want to continue going forward. Yeah, and happy ending asterisk like Mantis, who turned out to be such a integral part, and she came along in the second one. That was very sad and very emotional. So they it was it was happy in a sense because now you're thinking this character is going to go out there and she's going to go find herself. But she's done and she's out. And it was a way for us to say goodbye without it feeling like, you, you know... The, a final the, goodbye. Yeah, the permanence of death that you know that you can always just wonder that they're out there and doing their thing. And that's all you need. 